Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that, of course, brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the big subjects you're talking about in football. I mean, McGarvey, with me as always, is Duncan Castles. We've got a packed pod for you today with lots of news. Of course, now the window is very much open and active. And uh, I'm going to start with Manchester United and uh, the uh, fact that... uh, Ralph Ranick is not necessarily uh, being seen as the uh, answer to their problems. Um, it is our information, Duncan, that Maurizio Pochettino, uh, who has long been linked with the job at Old Trafford, um, is once again um, also spoken to about, interestingly, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the most senior player uh, and uh, secondary captain at the club, um, has not exactly been flattering about Ranić's, uh coaching skills. Um, he has not said that Ranić is a bad coach but he's certainly not been uh, very, very praiseworthy in terms of um, the way things are going. And the fact that someone like Ronaldo, who is a serial winner in football, has said that finishing in the top three of the Premier League is the goal or aim of the club for this season um, seems to me to be um, a very uh, damp praise um, of the idea that that's what he came to United for. Um, Also questions about whether or not Ronaldo having returned to Manchester um, has effectively uh, looked at the brochure that he was sold and uh, since thought, hmm, maybe not quite the same as uh, what people told me. Um, Mercy Pochettino, uh, much mentioned uh, in terms of the job uh, continues to be touted as a potential replacement for Ranić. Um, you've said, Duncan, repeatedly that Pochettino is not happy at Paris Saint-Germain and that he would be open to return to the Premier League. Uh is that still the case? And do you think that uh, that's something which 
is ongoing and a potential uh, development in terms of the summer? Well, it's quite clear. Marzio Pochettino has made two attempts uh, to return to the Premier League inside the last six months. Um, he tried to get the Tottenham job back in the summer, um, briefed heavily that he was unhappy in Paris, that he was unhappy being separated from his family and would like to go back to English football. Um, was prevented from doing that by Qatar, not because they were particularly convinced that he was um, the right man for the job in Paris, not because of the job he'd done in the previous season, um, handing over the league title to Leo, despite Paris Saint-Germain's massive advantage in terms of personnel and, and finance in the, in the French division. Um, but because Pochettino was trying to get out um, against Qatar's um, choice. Uh, he tried again when the Manchester United job became open. Uh, and again, Qatar said, no, uh, we don't want you to leave now. And uh, you will stay here until we decide we are finished with you as, as coach. As you say, United's interest in Pochettino is extremely long-standing. He was talked to as a candidate for the job back in 2016. Um, when Jose Mourinho was hired, um, he has remain, remained popular with the Manchester United hierarchy since. Um, he is an obvious candidate for them to speak to now that they are actively looking for a next, um, as they like to, to phrase it, full-time manager um, with the problems they've had with Ralph Ranić's interim appointment. Uh, we discussed this in great detail in the last podcast, the issues there have been with organization, with the quality of training, um, with the assistant coaches that Ranić has chosen to bring uh, from MLS and Russia uh, to run training, uh, to do a large amount of the training work with the players. Players being, although accepting that this is an improvement on Uli Gunnar Solskjaer as manager, um, that that was not a difficult thing to achieve and they're still not receiving the kind of leadership they expected at the club. Um, so there is a scenario where you have players unhappy with the coaching still and a, as we talked about in the last podcast, a big division within the camp in terms of whose responsibility it is for the poor performances. And I think that was the key message from Cristiano Ronaldo's extensive 20 minute plus interview he granted to Sky this week. Um, we talked about senior players being unhappy with the, the, the effort being put in and the mentality of younger players in the squad, individuals such as Mason Greenwood, Jaden Sancho, even Marcus Rashford had been mentioned to me as, as players who senior players felt were not putting as much into following the coaching instructions, putting as much effort on the pitch as they should be. And you have Ronaldo repeatedly returning to the theme of mentality, um, personal responsibility, effort, um, refusing to name names, trying to be careful and, and avoid talking about tactics and saying, you know, it's not my, I'm not the coach, I'm not the president. 
but consistently saying that if you do not have the right mental attitude, if you're not prepared to work hard enough on the pitch, if you're not prepared to listen to what more experienced players uh, are, are ready to guide you with, then you will not achieve what you are capable of achieving at a club like Manchester United. And as you say, expressing his dissatisfaction with how things were going, saying that he didn't come to Manchester United to fight for sixth, seventh or fifth place. That as a bare minimum, Manchester United should be, if not winning the Premier League, they should be second or third um, each season. Uh, and you're making a statement that things had to change and, and that it was on the players to change matters. Um, I think that underlines the issues that are within the camp and at the club at present where you have someone like Ronaldo choosing to give that kind of interview. It's a you know, controversial, potentially divisive thing to do within the camp to try and get the season back on course because he wants to be in the Champions League next year um, and, uh, and wants to be competing for titles. He said that realistically his aims for this season would be to win one title, which I think comes down to FA Cup go through in the Champions League and to finish in the top four saying, you know, although he expects top three as a minimum, the way they are at present to reach the top four would, would be a success. So that's underlining the issues that are, that are there. The easiest solution to all of these things is to change coach again. Pochettino is available. Pochettino has long been admired by Manchester United. You have other candidates out there, Eric Ten Hag is at Ajax is the, the the popular, probably the most popular potential appointment with the supporters. You have individuals like Julian Lopetegui being offered to them. But um, I think there is a, a strong chance that, uh, that Pochettino to Manchester United can happen this summer because there's a strong chance he doesn't win the Champions League at Paris Saint-Germain and the Qataris decide to change again in the search for uh, the European Cup. It's not quite the infamous interview which was never aired um, that Roy Keane gave to Manchester United TV um, when he criticised his teammates. Um, but Ronaldo is an intelligent individual who uh, will make thinly veiled uh, comments regarding certain um, aspects of the club that he doesn't think are going well. Um, Richard Arnold uh, will assume the post of chief executive on February the 1st. Is it potentially the case that he will want to stamp his authority on the club by appointing his own man as coach rather than um, accept Ralph Ranić um, as a longer-term proposition? I think if, if the season continues as it has gone, um, if you have this consistent turmoil within the squad and dissatisfaction with the coaching, then the easiest thing to do is to to change 
manager again. And yes, as a, as a new chief executive, then Richard Arnold will expect to be driving that process. He will know that he ultimately the Glazers will make the decision, but he will have the authority to um, to present names and and do the majority of the groundwork um, on that appointment because the Glazers don't speak to anyone in football um, apart from their own employees. They, they delegate these things and then make um, the, the decisions on expenditure, um, on strategy, green lighting um, at, at the final stage. Um, I think it was Ronaldo, I think the, the strongest thing he said um, when, when talking um, and saying that I don't accept that our mentality be less than to be in the top three in the Premier League. He was asked, does that have to be drilled in? He said, of course, I think to build up a good thing sometimes you have to destroy a few things and, and smiled so why not new year new life and i hope that manchester can be the level that people want especially the fans they deserve that and and that, that's a real challenge to his teammates to match the standards that he delivers and has delivered throughout his, his entire career in football to dedicate themselves and devote themselves to achieving on the pitch instead of complaining uh, about organizational matters, about opportunities in the team. Um, some of them saying, I, I don't want to do the hard work because I'm not that kind of player. He is looking at a group of individuals who have been recruited at huge expense, um, a lot of them with with major status in the game and and saying, they're not prefer performing like proper professional football players should be performing. I'm going to challenge them to change that. It's interesting that Cristiano Ronaldo has based his entire career on um, success, winning trophies, and being someone who is constantly praised and in the limelight for him to say that Manchester United's um, basic ambition should be to come third in the Premier League just seems weird I don't he didn't actually say that he said Manchester United should win the league or be in second or third I don't see any other position for Manchester United, to be honest. It's was, was almost like a, a compromise. What he wanted to say is Manchester United, the first part, should win the league. Um, but he realises the state they're in. Therefore, he's got to give give the the, the team a little bit of, of wriggle room, a little bit of development room. Um, if you think that Cristiano Ronaldo is saying, I'm, I'm going to be happy staying at Manchester United and being third every season. That, that's absolutely not what he's thinking. He's trying to push the talent that's at the in the squad and at the club at the present to deliver what they're capable of delivering because he sees that they're not, too many of them are not doing the very basic things required. And he talked about small details being important in football. Um, I think that's where he's he's lived his career. It's 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 dedicating himself and everything he he can in his life um, to be as he sees it. His aim is to be recognised as the greatest sportsman of all time. That's his ambition, and he puts everything towards doing it. He he therefore 
doesn't understand where um, players with with abilities uh, who are very well rewarded for for what they're doing aren't prepared to put in even basic efforts sometimes of of running on the pitch uh, into performing for their team and performing on the football pitch. Well, at this moment in time, it doesn't appear to be the case that um, Ronaldo will achieve his goal of being the greatest sportsman of all time should he stay at Manchester United. Is it a realistic proposition that he might want actually to move again um, in order to achieve that? I think he, he put a lot of effort into getting out of Juventus um, when he saw that they were not competitive at the, the top level in Europe and, and also um, would struggle in Italy this season. Um, he clearly didn't expect this to happen at Manchester United. He's been shocked by uh, the level of organisation at the club, the level of coaching and the attitude and mentality of a lot of the players. He wants to win. Um, and what he's trying to do at present is change as much as he can about that as a player and as a leader in the dressing room in order that it, it happens at, at Manchester United Forum. He he has very few options because of his, uh, his status in the game and, it, and his, his salary level. Um, he had the chance to go back to Manchester City which he was prepared to do after after conversations with Pep Guardiola. He was convinced that that was the, the right thing for him to do. And then he was persuaded um, not to move to Manchester City by former teammates, prominent individuals in the media, by Sir Alex Ferguson um, saying, don't do that. Um, so I think you can see from the way he came to the club that there will be... A degree of tension in in the situation he's in at the moment, as you said, that this wasn't the the brochure that was uh, that was was shown to him. Um, but how many options he actually has away from his current contract, which runs for another season and has a uh, an option for a third year? Uh, I think in the current marketplace, those are limited. From one United to another, Duncan, um, you have reported extensively on the Transfer Window podcast about Newcastle United. Um, we spoke um, last month about uh, they were not going to um, be very flash and spend huge amounts of money in the January window, and yet in the last two days, they have uh, spent £25 million to buy Chris Wood from Burnley, um, who is 30 years old, and you wouldn't say is exactly a, um elite striker. Um, it's our information that the owners have, let's just say the phrase, bitten the bullet and decided that um, if we're going to 
have the best chance of staying up in the Premier League. Um, we're going to have to spend money uh, in this window. Uh, obviously, Wood is a statement signing in that sense. Um, and there's been interest, obviously, reported uh, with regards to other players that they could um, or want to sign. Um, that situation seems to have changed. Um, it seems like PIF, uh, who are obviously the majority shareholders, um, have decided that um, we need to invest in order to uh, give ourselves the best chance of surviving. Okay, I, I think as with pretty much everything about Newcastle United and the ownership structure they have, uh, there's been mixed messages. There's been a brief coming out that January a January window was a difficult one to work in and they didn't want to overspend in this window. Um, they didn't want to waste money in this window. But increasingly, as they got towards the window, the, the, the sense was, well, we need to exploit this. We need to use the 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 position we're in, which is we have more um, liquidity than any other club in world football at present to try and spend ourselves out of trouble. I think the more interesting thing here is that having having made that decision to go aggressively at this window, that their their second signing um, after. Kieran Trippier, which I think was an intelligent move. And we discussed in the last podcast how they took advantage of the, the player's personal desire to come back to England to outbid other suitors for the player and, and get an experienced, um, high-quality addition to their defence who, who's also able to add them in an attacking perspective. This time they've they've gone almost for the, the panic um, bargain basement buy but paid top dollar for him. Uh, paying £25 million to buy Chris Wood out of his contract is something that no other club in English football, no other club in world football would have done. Um, it, it's, it, there is an argument that what Newcastle have done and been clever about is to damage one of their direct rivals for relegation in that they've taken Burnley's best goal-scoring forward for the last few seasons away from them in the window in mid-season and in principle giving themselves a direct advantage over Burnley which would put them if it's a big enough advantage from 19th place into 18th place and still see them being relegated but you can also look at another way which was Chris Wood this season has only scored three goals in 17 Premier League appearances despite starting every match for Burnley and playing 90% of the minutes um, Sean Dyche had been considering leaving him out of the team because of his, his lack of form. And effectively, they've just handed a relegation rival £25 million to replace a striker who was underperforming for them. Now, it could be that Wood would do what he's done in previous seasons and find a, a, a good vein of form in the second half of the season and, and return the goals that Burnley need to stay up. Um, but in terms of having the kind of resources available to them that Newcastle have to go and sign a 30 year old 
Um, and with all respect, Chris Wood, mediocre Premier League centre forward, seems a, a, a strange strategy. Also, from from a footballing perspective, um, I don't see how Wood particularly fits the kind of football that that Eddie Howe has been trying to play. It's almost as though he's saying, "I'm going to shift to a more direct style in order to to try and survive here," and I'm going to pick. A striker is very used to playing that direct type of football and 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 steal them from uh, from our rivals in in order to achieve that. And this is something that's been driven by Eddie Howe. Now Newcastle are briefing that they they also want to sign another forward. So it may turn out by the end of the window that they have two strikers, one one of a of a type who can cover for Callum Wilson, who's injured at present and likely to miss a good chunk of the remainder of the season because of the nature of his injury. Um, but they need results quickly. And uh, and I, I don't think many of the top operators in, in world football have been impressed that they've gone and spent £25 million on Chris Wood, given the ammunition that are, uh, that's available to them in this window. Well, apparently Andy Carroll is available. <laughs> Silence from Mr. Castles there. Silence from St. James's Park as well, I would have thought. Yes, indeed. Um, it is a lot of money to pay for a 30-year-old. But to be fair, um, in the previous four seasons, um, before this one, he has reached double figures. And that is not necessarily um, a bad return um, for any striker in the Premier League. No, it's not a bad return, but he's a player suited to Burnley's style. Um, we know how Burnley play, it's percentages, it's, um, it's doing something different from most clubs doing the Premier League and therefore getting enough points and enough goals uh, to stay in the division, uh, whether that's a, the the correct fit for this Newcastle squad, um, I think is extremely questionable. And yeah, you can you can say oh he scored double figures uh, in in these seasons as a Premier League player. Therefore, it's a good buy. I think the question you have to ask yourself is it the best buy possible for Newcastle United in a depressed transfer market? Um, where you need a significant change and a significant improvement. This is a team that has won one Premier League match all season uh, and just got knocked out of the FA Cup by Cambridge United. Um, and I, I find it very hard to, uh, to, to, to think that they, they have done the be- made the best move possible here. Maybe, could well be proved wrong. Maybe Chris Wood will, will score a goal every two games for the rest of the season and keep Newcastle United up. Let's see. Another um, of the Premier League's um, most exciting players, um, sorry, I'm not talking about Chris Wood here, um, is Adama Trori um, of Wills. He uh, was a graduate of the Barcelona Academy and um, is now attracting interest again um, from Tottenham Hotspur and Newcastle United. Uh, 
Duncan, you reported, um, I think it was probably a year ago, that Wolves were looking for an excess of £100 million for the player. Um, I think that fee has certainly come down since then. Um, the player himself has made very um, few starts in terms of his Premier League appearances this uh, season. And I think he would probably prefer to go to a club where he would feel that he was being valued and also given the opportunity to um, express more expansively his talent and ability um, with regards to um, assists because one of the main criticisms of Traore is that uh, his final product is not as good as his build-up play. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, it's well demonstrated, he's one of the quickest and, and one of the best one-on-one -on -one forwards in the Premier League, but um, doesn't score as often as he should. And um, certainly since Raul Jimenez is a serious head injury, his production in terms of uh, creating goals has gone down markedly. And, and this season, the Premier League hasn't scored and uh, hasn't been credited with an assist as yet. He's, he's started just over half of the games for Wolves in the Premier League under Bruno Lage, played 61% of minutes. He's available. He's been available um, for substantial fee. Uh, when he was in that that peak period, and and when Manchester City were were showing an interest, and was available last summer, um, we talked about how you know Espirito Santo had um, had said to Adama, um, "I'm going to try and bring uh, take you with me to my next club." When he left Wolves, um, and how he got uh, Tottenham to make an attempt to to sign the, the player in the summer. Wolves were on board with that and I'm told made it a relatively accessible move and that they were prepared to allow Adama to move on loan to Tottenham with a with an option to buy a year down the line. Um, my guidance on what happened there was that, that Nuno felt that Tottenham weren't ever serious about doing that deal in the sense that they got it. It was got to a stage where Adama could have come for a reasonable loan fee and for a reasonable purchase fee in a year's time. And Tottenham tried to negotiate that down even further and the, the deal fell apart. Leeds United also tried to sign him last summer um, for a, a, a cash sum of, of over £30 million. Adama was not interested in moving to Leeds United, wouldn't speak to them. So that deal also fell through in the, the summer. Um, the player would like to move back to Barcelona uh, and has been informed that Barcelona are interested in, in taking him. Barcelona have a vacancy. They're looking for a, a right-sided winger. So Adama, who started at Barcelona and grew up in, in the academy there, um, does seem a fit. But my information is that Barcelona's interest preceded Xavi um, taking over as coach and hasn't moved forward since then. Um, he is 
clearly on the market, um, clearly a player of significant talent, could be accessed for a reasonable fee. So, and you have Tottenham now with Antonio Conte looking to make substantial changes to his squad, um, has used players of Adama's type at right wing back in the past. So it would, uh, would make sense in terms of the system Conte plays. Um, and again, you have Newcastle United with that reserve of cash where if they decided that Adama was the right player um, to help them stay in the division, then they certainly have the, the wherewithal to put together a deal that Wolves would accept. Um, the question mark I would have there if they were to go down that line is whether Adama would accept moving to Newcastle given that he turned down Leeds United in the summer and, and, and clearly feels that um, that is his next move should be to a club of higher status than Wolverhampton Wanderers. It is interesting, Duncan. Um, I was at the Brighton versus Wolves game uh, the week before last, and I spoke to one of the directors um, at Wolves, um, and he wasn't criticising the manager uh, in terms of selection. But he did say, um, I don't really understand why Adama doesn't start games that he's usually used as a, a substitute. And that doesn't really make a lot of sense, given his talent and his ability to um, beat players one-on-one -on -one and get crosses in, etc. And... And therefore, uh, one of the reasons that he is available for sale is because he is underused and overpaid. He's not particularly highly paid at, uh, at Wolves, so that's that, that's another element in in the interest in, in signing him, uh, that you could take him and give him a, a pay rise without too much difficulty. But yeah, it's... The contract is running down, uh, runs till 2023. So he's in entering a position of strength in terms of being able to decide where he wants to go. Um, just had a, actually a message from someone close to Adama um, and uh, they tell me that there are no active negotiations with Tottenham or Newcastle at present. So um, as I say, a player who's available um, for clubs who are looking in, in those areas, um, whether someone decides to chase that down in the final weeks of the January window, we'll have to wait and see. You said, Duncan, um, that um, Antonio Conte was actively looking to recruit two centre-backs um, to his team uh, to strengthen his defence for the rest of the season. But I understand that you have information regarding the um, potential sale of a striker or stroke forward player um, in this window. Yeah, the, Stephen Bergwijn is someone who's very much on the fringe of Antonio Conte's um, problematic selections at Tottenham is another coach who's come in and realised that the the squad 
isn't anything like as good as its uh, as its reputation has been and uh, and as Conte has done throughout his career he's pushing Tottenham for substantial changes um Ajax are interested in signing Bergwijn I'm told they've made an offer to Tottenham um that was being reported as being 18 million euros my sources at Ajax say it's less than 18 million euros they were waiting for the sale of uh David Neres, the, the Brazilian forward, to uh, Shakhtar Donetsk to go through, which it has gone through for 12 million plus 4 million in performance-related bonuses before pursuing that further. Um, they're now waiting to see uh, if a compromise can be reached with Daniel Levy, who um, I'm told is acting in in traditional Daniel Levy fashion and trying to push the uh, the income from a player who's on the fringes of of his manager squad up um, to a level that's more acceptable to him. Um, it may be difficult when they're dealing with Ajax to, to get a, a solution um, of much more than the money that's been offered already. So, uh, Transfer Window podcast, um, traditionally, as you know, uh, we do hero and villain um, of the last week in football. And I'm going to um, invite Duncan to give us his Heroes of the Week. Uh, Heroes of the Week, the Aston Villa supporters who, um, who hailed... The unexpected, I think you have to say, acquisition of Philippe Coutinho from Barcelona uh, by making up a, a new chant to the uh, to the <laughs> to the tune of 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 Wham's uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go," um, which meant "Wake Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." We don't need Grealish; we've got Coutinho. Um, which uh, even if the Coutinho deal goes horribly wrong, which you suspect it might do, given his uh, his recent record in football, they'll always have that chance. <laughs> um, I'm told as well, just as a little bit of um, gossipy news, that um, Coutinho turned down um, a contract offer from Newcastle United which is worth 1.4 million euros uh, more than he was offered at Aston Villa uh, because he wanted to go and play under Steven Gerrard. So um, maybe uh, his position as hero also should um, reflect on that particular uh, fact as well. Um, my villain of the week um, has to be um, Eddie Howe, or Eddie Why, as we like to call him on the Transfer Window podcast, um, for spending £25 million pounds on Chris Wood. I'm not saying that Chris Wood is a bad player, or indeed that he won't be a success, but um, Eddie Howe seems to me to be something of... Um, Let's just say a traditionalist with regards to the way he signs players in terms of uh, what he trusts and thinks uh, are the right moves 
for his clubs. This has been the Transfer Window Podcast, which of course has brought you the news before it becomes news. Um, You can engage with us, and please do, on our social media platforms, which are at Transfer Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Uh, Duncan is at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm, uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, just search at Transfer Window Podcast and you can engage and, of course, listen to the pod on that particular platform. We will be back with you next week. And until then, um, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.